This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. So here we are, season three of Driven by Data, the podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people. And that's where Orbition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, providing you with insights into the current market and your competition, benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting orbitiongroup.com. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast, season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Farouk Fachichi, who is the president of data and analytics at Investnet. So Farouk, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Kyle. Looking forward to this, Farouk. So uh, a long time in the making. It's been a, a while since we since we first started speaking about getting you on. So uh, I'm glad we finally managed to to do it. But where we always start is by asking our guests to give themselves a brief introduction into their background and I guess journey up until this point in time, Farouk. If uh, if you'd be so kind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, thanks, Kai, for the opportunity. And it's been uh, <clears throat> some time in the making. So I appreciate you again making the time. Um, yeah, I mean, my journey has been uh, now about 25 plus years, believe it or not, although I look like I'm 10, uh, jokes aside, <laughs> uh, mostly spent in different capacity in the data space, uh, data technology, digital analytics, AI, they kind of all kind of derivatives of the data world. Um uh, that's the expertise. That's the foundation. You know, whether I, I, I was a, uh, a junior economist in my early career, or now uh, in management or executive management, and every 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 other uh, role I took in between for a quarter century, uh, been directly or indirectly related to um, uh, to data. Um, few highlights of how I got here. Uh, I would say my my functional expertise in financial analysis, risk analysis, and the financial services have been a big part of my career. Uh, consulting for some of the big consulting firms out there uh, helped me uh, throughout my career. And then finally, jumping in into management, I, I probably were, was one of the original 
kind of uh, uh, playground of CDOs when the CDO titles were were really uh, strange and and mm. and and early on in in their life. Um, but yeah, uh, and now I, I'm a GM of uh, one of our uh, line of businesses here at Investnet, uh, the data business. Yeah, nice. For anyone that isn't familiar with Investnet, then just give us a little bit more kind of insight and context to the business, you know, who you are, what you do. Yeah, uh, Kyle, thank you for that. I, I, I can never get tired of really sharing uh, Investnet. Let me start with our mission, which really uh, I feel the reason I'm here and it wakes me up every day. Uh, Some days are great, as you know, when you wake up and some days are not so great for many, many reasons. Um, But really what what grounds us here at InvestNet is our mission, uh, which is what we do is we provide a connected ecosystem of kind of data, like I said, analytics, AI, technology mixed together, um, as well as financial solution ranging from investment solution, annuity, products, um, lending, et cetera. And we package all of that and we offer them uh, to those who, who offer, who are financial providers ranging from uh, wealth advisors, managers, bankers, fintechs, uh, companies. Uh, and, and the reason we give them this is really to deliver a single mission statement, which for them to help them deliver that intelligent financial advice and life to their client. Practically speaking, so how do we deliver this mission, Kyle, is um, we offer two core sets of offering. Like I mentioned, data analytics technology focusing mainly on the digital financial digital engagement uh, on one end and the growth of the company on the other end. So how do they engage intelligently with their clients and how they grow their business on the other side, hmm. which, uh, like I said, which connects to a portfolio of these solutions that we either offer them or they offer themselves. Nice. So it's um, it's effectively B2B to see yes right yeah yeah we do we do kyle we are uh focused on that uh at the same time as you as you may felt our mission seems to be focused on the end customer even though our responsibility is to make the b in the middle uh uh, smarter uh, capable and powered by solutions and data and technology to deliver that mission yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you're you're impacting the end customer, but through the vehicle of the other, you know, businesses that that, that you kind of provide solutions to to that market, which makes perfect sense. Okay, fine. I guess uh, in terms of your role, then obviously the president, the the GM of the data analytics business line, just give us a snapshot of what a day in the life of Farouk looks like. You know, what are you there to to achieve? What's the what's the north star? Yeah. Uh... I would say, simply put, probably, Kyle, I'll I'll say three things. Uh, First thing is I'm responsible for putting the strategy and building the the products uh, of the data business, uh, which in our case is really building this data platform, but make it configurable and useful for different industries and financial, different segments of the financial 
um, services ecosystem. On one end, you have wealth management, and that we have a data platform for that. Uh, on one end, we have the retail uh, and commercial banking. And on the other end, we have the fintechs or the tech companies, uh, like payment companies, smaller and mid-sized fintechs, as well as some e-commerce, big, large organizations who wants to compete in providing that holistic uh, uh, 360 service provider. The second thing I do is I, I got to bring it to market. I got to make sure that customers actually uh, are interested and use it and, uh, and, 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 and sign up for it and we help them implement it. And the third part, I have to make sure um, as a public company and for-profit company, I have to do all of this in a efficient and effective way so we can create shareholder value, uh, and obviously get the permission to do more of the good things that we're doing for our clients and their customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, perfect. Makes, uh, makes sense. Um, so I guess, you know, the, the financial services sector has, has obviously, you know, it's seen a lot of change over the last few years, especially right. You know, with everything that we went through with the, the pandemic and arguably one of the, one of the biggest changes um maybe outside of kind of you know traditional retail where there's the, the challenge from digitally native organizations now that have kind of you know expedited on their journey as well um i guess with with what may potentially be around the corner the murmurs of economic uncertainty and all of that type of stuff i guess in your opinion then and with the businesses that you work with what are the core reasons why financial services organizations should be investing heavily into data analytics and data analytics type products for their customers yeah i mean i would say um nothing i'm gonna say here will surprise anyone uh listening i would say first of all uh, i couldn't be more prouder as someone who've been in the financial, uh, directly or indirectly involved in the financial services ecosystem and industry for 20 plus years of the of the of, of the over quarter century experience I had, uh, they're constantly re-envisioning themselves despite kind of everything they're dealing with, uh, social, economical, political, um, and so on. Uh, pressure every day on the financial ecosystem. Uh, they continue to be profitable despite the ups and downs. I would say, if you look in the past now, <laughs> if you ask me like in January, I would have had a partial answer, but now knowing what happened with SVB and the pressure that has a uh, large part of the financial ecosystem that's like weeks ago and continues to be, uh, an issue that people are reacting to and managing through. And you look at COVID, I'll say there is a common thread, despite the, the, the challenges, features are different. There is a common thread that is becoming more and more of priority of our clients as we see it and hear them uh, describing their challenges and their strategies to address them, which is personalization of financial advice. And I'm sure personalization of financial advice has so many features, a lot of people. But the way I like to talk about it in a concrete way, Kyle, is in two parts, at least in servicing, the way you serve our clients or your clients as a financial provider. And two is how you provide your product offering. 
And so what I mean by servicing is providing that 360 view of your money and how you manage it uh, to include some basic cash management tools and along the way, nudges and suggestions, how you optimize your spending, your habits, things that the the machine can do a lot faster and a lot more dynamic and a lot more uh, at scale than if you go your own Excel sheet as a, mm-hmm. as I I like to do it in the past. <laughs> um, along with within that servicing, not just some sort of nudges and smart financial engine to help me, you know, manage my habits, financial habits better, but also as I move money in and out digitally of my accounts, is it protected? Is it been verified? Uh, so protecting my money, helping me nudge, manage smartly my money is important. On the flip side, and I'd like to do it in a free way. So it's personalized, but I don't want to be charged for it. I already opened that money market or saving account or whatever with you. On the flip side, you know, as as my life evolved as a customer, uh, my financial product needs evolve. We like to talk about it here at InvestNet, like the financial wellness journey, which starts obviously with smart management of your cash but at some point you're going to evolve in that wellness journey to maybe needing a micro saving opportunity a saving opportunity an investment micro investing investing a mortgage a lending product bigger credit card balance and you get what i'm going with that to wealth mm-hmm. management accumulation accumulation all the way to potentially trust planning and 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 so on and so forth um being able the financial institution to recognize and personalize products throughout that life event journey for you in a way that is presented to you at at the right time at the right place so not one day late or one day early uh, so it doesn't freak you out (laughs) uh, or it's too late to capitalize on in a way that is presented and acceptable that I can go through the process faster, whether it's, you know, like we talked some of the product. The second part is um, do it in a competitive price. And I think this is where you, you're going to see more and more demand, not just here in the U.S., but across the globe, as people get comfortable about trusting their financial institution and themselves to create that 360 money view, they want to be uh, given a value for their entire financial profile, not just their credit bureau and what is traditionally is used to decide on a price of a deal or acceptance or a price of a financial deal, but also they want to hear, okay, but, 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 but I'm savvy in the way I spend and, you know, and entertainment and food and clothes and I pay my utilities and so on. And, and, and so they want a competitive price. And I feel like, again, uh, uh, personalization of financial advice uh, by giving a differentiated servicing experience that uh, help people manage their money better and protect it on one end. And offering them the right product at the right price at the right time is very important. Mm, yeah, no, and that makes that makes perfect perfect sense. I guess 
talk us through the journey then, right? Because I guess this is the, what we're talking about is the the kind of evolution of the changing demands of the customer as they become more savvy with the the digital you know the digital way of working their expectations increase talk talk us through how that journey has changed and and then i guess maybe you know when we have these big life events that happen like covid like the economic thing with svb that creates uncertainty and pressure and stuff like that how does that fluctuate the demands and what does that that mean for then organizations like you who are trying to provide personalized products and services back to that market yeah, I mean, I think we like to put our thoughts uh, and needs and our vision second to the end consumer needs, uh, Kyle. Uh, like I, like we talked about earlier uh, with a B2B2C. So if the B sneezes or the C sneezes, we sneeze too and we react. And what we're seeing is uh, the end consumer uh is going to take them some time, depending on your, I would say, client profile, client financial profile. If you are living paycheck to paycheck and um, um, in early and in early and or in early stages of your uh, financial journey, whether because of age or because of the choices you made throughout your career and what have you, uh, the opportunity that was given to you. Uh, you you react pretty quickly to the changing economic needs, all right? Okay, because uh, you you are in 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 daily need. You have a finite number of cash resources that you want to spend, and you have to react to them immediately as the financial ecosystem changes, um, whether during COVID or 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 not. Uh, if you are in a different financial profile. Uh, as an example, uh, high net worth individual, you're going to take a little bit more strategic approach into consuming all these changes, watching them, not react to them. Obviously, big part of being a high net worth is the dimensionality of your investment kind of portfolio in addition to your other accounts, um, lending, insurance, annuity, life, and all of that, and then your investment. You know, also your risk profile has to do with how fast you react to that. Are you looking for short-term gains? Are you going to pull out of the market quickly and so on and so forth? Um, But here is what we see from the financial institution, uh, the challenges that they're facing and what they're telling us. Uh, More than ever, they want to differentiate their product offering, which comes down to price and servicing. Right, they want to offer a competitive price because some of a lot of customers have choices these days, and they want to differentiate the servicing experience that they receive when they sign up uh, with a financial institution. So they're not being offered just hey, check my pay my payment every month, which could be automated into auto pay, and you're never gonna need and talk to anyone. So that servicing dynamic, offering more for for not for 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 free is really important. Like we talked earlier, the second thing is, with all these economic changes and pressure and inflation and uh, failures and 
games. Uh, there's a changing compliance uh, and regulatory environment that is constantly evolving uh, to, to protect the consumer and govern the financial institution and their relationship. And so staying compliant continues to be top of mind for the smart financial institutions so they don't have, so it's built into the DNA of the organization, right? Mm-hmm. The third, I would say growth. Obviously, they're in the business of making money. They want to grow, but they want to grow in a way that is uh, thought through, not reactive, especially the larger one, where they have a strong, intelligent, dynamic risk model. The third, the the fourth kind of demand that we see, and you see the dichotomy in all of them because they're all number one, uh, continue to reduce operating expense while not delaying any or compromising all the business strategy and the objectives they have right now. So it's a really, you know, in the surface, it looks like a dichotomy, but but those tend to be the things that our clients tell us, how are you going to help us? And here's what we're hearing from our end consumer. And here's how we translate it into business priority. Mm, yeah, makes makes sense. So, so then I guess bringing it back to the data analytics component of this then. So, you know, what are the solutions that you're providing from a data analytics standpoint that flow yeah. to meet those challenges? Yeah, obviously, Kyle, all of these, everything I just said is really about, you know, um, heard and, and now communicated and in a daily basis acted upon through the lens of what data can do for me and for our clients. And for us is going back to what we talked about earlier. We're in the business of building data platform for different financial provider segments. So. What does that mean is, and how do we solve for these problems? Um, First, what does that mean? The data platform is a little bit misleading term because what we do is we, we built a connectivity layer, a digital connectivity layer of data. And what we call is we connect people money. So Kyle, all your money, whether that's in an investment accounts, uh, uh, brokerage, uh, robo, uh, crypto, whatever, or you are in uh, lending products, mortgages, credit cards, what have you, or in insurances or whatever. We have a, built a global open banking powered connectivity layer that allow us to create that 360 view of the wallet and comprehensive wallet of a given customer. As you know, in, uh, as study shows, and we know, based on personal experience, uh, the average global citizen can have anywhere between three to seven different accounts. And we're just, you know, starting in this digital uh, uh, wallet journey. Uh, so that's the first thing we do. But but there is a lot of noise, uh, um, uh, Kyle, in that data or that in that money uh, delivered through the data. And so we build proprietary AI and machine learning algorithm to take the noise out of it, uh, i.e. make it quality data and make it useful for the end consumer to see their 360 view of their money, but also for the institution to present it to them in a meaningful way. That includes a de-identified, anonymized, because we connected across uh, so many, so many different uh, 
consumers and their financial wallet, we've created this uh, anonymized national money database, per se. Uh, it has roughly about $5 trillion at any given time worth of spending, oh. uh, $5 trillion worth of income, and $5 trillion worth of uh, wealth management uh, performance. Across, this in the U.S. alone, about 15 to 20% of the U.S. household represents. So it's pretty representative. Mm. What has that gave us the opportunity to do is to to build upon that analytical engines. So we're not only going to connect your data digitally and give you the cool servicing experiences, but now we're going to give you a little bit more intelligence on top of it, okay? And what we've done is we built um, a few intelligent layers, uh, Kyle, uh, one around wealth prospecting uh, engine uh, for financial advisors, to help them find organic and inorganic uh, um, opportunity to cross-sell and upsell to their investors. Uh, we are uh, 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 we have launched this quarter our um, first credit accelerator engine. Like I mentioned before, there are a lot of clients who either don't get accepted into a credit and or when they get accepted they get higher prices mm -hmm. and what we're trying to do use an alternative financial data like we, the one we have offer to financial institution that alternative financial data and profile to help them either accept these clients and or give them a more competitive price that suits them better so that's our credit analytics engine and we have built uh, others like a practice valuation engine for small businesses, and we're starting with the wealth management, small practices. We have launched, we're very proud, right around the SVB event, we, we launched our first bank deposit index, which really uh, at the national level, uh, regional and institution, it's a benchmarking tool for financial institution to uh, compare their own deposits, nets, flows, and inflows against um, the national trends. And again, because we can and we have that authoritative anonymized data set. Um, and we are, and this is coming very soon and uh, I can't promise dates. We are in the process of launching a consumer financial index, which plays nicely into explaining on the back of the consumer price index, how are consumer behaving to the rise of or uh, fluctuation of inflation? So, but on top of all of that, you know, how you take the complexity from the data and the analytics, you got to present it in an easy way. And that's our experience and digital layer, which is the third layer of our so-called data platform, which is broken down into two pieces. One is now how do you present this to the client and their client? Um, we have built uh, planning tools, uh, micro-saving tools, cash flow tools, uh, subscription management tools where we, on your behalf, you negotiate subscription. Like uh, for example, during COVID stuck at home, I canceled cable and I got God knows how many TV apps in my phone and TV, <laughs> and I lost track of them, Kyle. 
you're laughing, so I'm assuming you you have some of the similar symptoms. Um, so we 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 truly uh, are constantly building these experiences and presenting them either direct through the B to B to C to the end consumer, to advisor financial advisor portals, to home office uh, employees and different functions of the organization. Yeah. So that, again, it, 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 our data platform, the way we deliver on the needs of our clients to serve those uh, challenges we talked about earlier is we build this platform that connects people money. So you can have that 360 view. Uh, we overlay the uh, AI and the analytics and the intelligence on top of it. Then we present it in a digital savvy way that is functional and easy to use either for an employee at the business or for their end consumer and or for a financial advisor. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, the, the platform there, as you mentioned, is the connectivity layer, right? That's the, the the hub where you can, or the customers can see all of their different accounts, whatever that is, right? Different institutions, etc. The data products that you're building are effectively the intelligence that you're able to visually present back to the org, you know, the organisations that you support to support the end clients. Um, the concept of data products is an interesting one, right? Because we find ourselves in the industry constantly talking about new buzzwords. And I, f- I think, you know, the the whole data product or data as a product is, has kind of become that, despite the fact that many organizations have been delivering data products, but just not calling them that for <laughs> for, for many years. Um, but I guess the, the kind of hyper-personalization piece, how personalized is this? And I guess, how are you tying them products into the, you know, into the hyper-personalization of, of kind of, you know, is, is it, are you trying to get to one-to-one or is it more segmented than that? Um, so for us, Kyle, everything we do around, like all the components of the data platform I just walked you through are, you know, brought to market in, 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 in an integrated way, if you sign up for the whole platform or in a point solution way, it really depends on the client. They are part of the data product, uh, data platform, although they're not all particularly data product, but they're all powered by that data foundation, data connectivity foundation, which is presenting that 360 view of the client uh, money. So if you use that as a foundation, that's really what makes us deliver that person, uh, help the institution deliver that personalized uh, financial advice or service, uh, advice, service, product, and so on. Um, it depends. I think because we take the very um, uh, risk approach, risk adverse approach of building a data set in an anonymized, de-identified way, we effectively, we don't know anything about Kyle, where he lives, you know, your, your, your name, your, all the PII data, we strip it out. Mm-hmm. However, yeah. we know Kyle belonged to a very narrow and specific uh, set of uh, behaviors. And we built for your profile or a like profile, 5,000 attributes about that. Mm-hmm. Not all are um, filled out depending on your maturity and in the data we have about uh, uh, that segment, uh, but it could be up to 5,000 as a foundation. Then we 
customize it for different needs. Like if you're, if you have credit needs or investment needs, then those are utilized to further personalize. Now, how we deliver it, because you have an outstanding relationship with your financial institution, whether that's the advisor delivered through the advisor or through direct uh, retail or commercial bank or fintechs, what we do is you consent it to them to use your data in a certain way. So what they do is they send that data, we'll match it against our underlying database. And then that truly becomes your attributes because you've consented to it. And so based on that, there will be personalized uh, advice. Like when you open your, uh, your, 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 your bank account and you see, hey, here's my spending analysis, here's et cetera, et cetera. That is one way to serve. Uh, here's nudges, okay to save or okay to spend or uh, please watch for your entertainment is going out of control given the average of your peers in the industry and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. But also it's a tool for the in- institution to actually base on your life, predicted life event to present you a competitive, uh, acceptable uh, financial products, whether that's consolidating a credit card or um, pay early your student loans or just so um, so many opportunities that uh, we can custom build for you once you identify yourself and you consent to that financial institution, we work with them to kind of map it all together and personalize that often. Yeah, obviously the the benefit to the, the consumer here is obvious, right? They get a 360 view of their financial well-being, a health check, if you want to call it that. Right, and and then it allows their financial services institution to effectively serve them better, offer them more suited products at more suited times, whatever the case may be. So obviously, there's a commercial play for the financial services institution there. Talk me through then. I guess you know, in the age of everyone rushing towards or rushing through the journey of digital transformation, and everyone trying to stay ahead of the curve. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about that in the industry and i guess a lot of uh, a lot of people have probably experienced this firsthand right with like more digitally native type of of businesses but um i guess h- how do the bigger more traditional financial services institutions keep pace with you know the the digital nomads as it were yeah i mean i think those who are large institutions i think they're beyond chasing the fintechs uh, I think they have evolved, I'll say most of them, uh, the successful <laughs> ones, they have evolved beyond uh, just being afraid or watch, watching, watchful of, of how things unfold and not knowing what to do. I think that was probably five to 10 years ago symptom, especially on the back of the, dot, at least in the US and dot Frank and the 2008 uh, yeah. kind of... Uh, crisis they're in a different place uh, they are very connected uh the ecosystem thinking is at the heart and soul uh i think an evolution away from hey we'll we'll buy the parts and then we'll connect it ourselves i think they're looking for uh while staying connected in the ecosystem and engaging very thoughtfully and strategically and tactically with different service provider to deliver their unified, personalized experience to them. Underneath it, I think we see more and more demand for people very excited about our platform strategy because 
with somewhat in, in a portion of their portfolio, a one-stop shop for integration, because integration over time became very expensive for these institutions to buy 10 different parts from 10 different uh, vendors and then just the employ and deploy kind of thousands and thousands of resources to kind of make sense out of it. And then it creates a lot of operational risk and overhead. I think there is more demand for saying, okay, while I won't put all my eggs in one basket, I would like to, I want you to show up with a more integrated approach to your offerings. Um, so this platform offering that we did, which connects connectivity to, in, to, in, to analytics, to digital layer, has had a lot of good responses, especially in times like we talked where the priorities are evolving uh, around the institution. Uh, there is, again, like I said, still uh, a top of mind and a priority personalization. Uh, doing it smart, effective, in a connected way, in an ecosystem way, but also there is more pressure and demand on the providers like ourselves to uh, do more for less and connect the pieces. And I think the the faster uh, these institutions migrate to the cloud, I think the faster and the more capable providers are going to work with uh, these financial institutions. And, you know, I'm obviously reflecting a little bit on my position. Yeah, of course, of course. So you, you, I guess you think that obviously the, the interconnectivity of all of this and the ability for financial services organizations to, to offer that to their customers is kind of key for them to kind of stay, stay relevant, which makes sense. I mean, are, are there any... Are there any big players out there, Farouk, that that aren't considering this or aren't already on this journey? Is you know what what is that like? What does that landscape actually look like in terms of the adoption of this kind of train of thought? I think usually, and and as an ex buyer of my own services uh, and an executive in financial institutions, what stands in the way tends to be the internal dynamics and politics and functional misalignment and mm. lack of operating model clarity. Um, I think I always believe, like I've been part of the 2001 um, kind of crisis and the 2008 crisis and now these uh, COVID and now this, and whenever there is a crisis, there is an opportunity for companies to simplify the operating model and simplify the decision-making process. And so it may be slower than the provider wants it to happen, but there will be improvements because there'll be up an upfront cost to actually simplify, and that will delay some of the decision-making. But eventually, I think uh, financial institutions are going to come out stronger, smarter, and more deliberate and more decisive on the other end. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's really interesting. I, I guess you started to touch upon there, obviously the operating model tends to be a thing that kind of gets in the way of this. Is, is that is that the major challenge? Is that the thing that holds these businesses back of trying to you know really push into this kind of interconnectivity world? I think so. I think some education, uh, some, uh, I would say some education, some risk acceptance, understanding of the risks and develop, uh, constantly 
dynamically customizing the risk uh, framework. And and three, yes, operating model, I would say. Uh, let me let me kind of talk maybe Kyle about the first couple, but the, the first one, education. I think when it comes to data analytics, for a long time, data analytics has been kind of an internal capability. We use it to make sure management is are up to date to on issues, how that happened, performance. We use it for risk, we use it for finance, we use it for treasury, we use it for customer service, and it tends to be a performance management tool by and large over the past decade. With big data, and there is there is a movement to leverage it to impact the customer experience or servicing side. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and some experimentation to use it to price better or risk model better, and so on and so forth. But we're not there yet, and I think the capability itself is a hundred years evolving faster than the ability to fully understand the value. I mean, we're living in the chat GPT world, you know, and it became like, you know, a mainstream conversation, whether it's fully understood or not, but, you know, kind of overnight. And so we're, you know, the financial institution are catching up. So there is a lot of education that needs to happen. The second part is the risk appetite. When you start using data analytics and now AI and machine learning to impact the customer experience and touch the customer interaction, you have to consider a lot of compliance issues. Uh, you have to consider um, uh, the, 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 the governance of the models, the governance of the data, and so on and so forth, on top of a very strong educational process. And a lot of this stuff, the controls around this, uh, on one end, operating controls, or on the other end, the ethics around it are very early stages. And so there is a struggle there. Now, and again, you overlay education, risk appetite or risk uh, framework maturity, and then you overlay internal dynamics. Oh, is data going to run the company now? Or uh, digital, is it part of technology? Or is it part of, you, you know, or they have it as a support function in the business, but it hasn't been fully understood and organized around it uh, because honestly, data analytics, AI, technology, digital, they're all kind of one flavors of the same thing. It's called technology at the end of the day. Hmm. What role, in your opinion, does the the end consumer play in in all of this? Because I guess as with anything, what you're describing there is probably applicable to practically every conversation that we have about data analytics inside a business right which is it's a you know what we're really talking about here is is a change in mindset a change in behaviors a change in adopting new ways of working and maybe you know the operating model that supports that and the pain you've got to go through to change that and then what happens with you know potential risk upside and downside and, and all of that type of of good stuff but i guess normally as soon as businesses start to lose customers because their competitors can give them something that they can't that is often something that instigates a, a kind of kick up the backside right where, right. where, 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 where are the consumers in this journey at this point in time is this something that they're demanding is that what you're seeing that you know there's that there's a, a, a widespread acknowledgement that this is 
the way forward we want to be able to have this 360 view based on you know this kind of interconnectivity type of, of yeah. conversation yeah i mean exactly kyle i i think um and what we're seeing and what we're hearing uh and we do our independent kind of feeler of what the end consumer constantly want although we don't serve them directly but we design our products around them and we try to work with the the be in the middle like we talked earlier to deliver on that um what we're seeing is the the financial in a, in a month like this month uh, celebrating financial literacy month the financial literacy score or q quotient uh, has tremendously grown in a relative basis over the past decade or two. And so independent financial savviness about how to manage your money and what it means and how important it is has evolved. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, that creates in itself demand. Then you overlay since you know the dot-com and then the iPhone and so on, and the explosion of the apps and the financial apps and the fintech industry, and the, in some ways, early stages of the democratization of finance in a digital world. You 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 overlay, you take the the imp- the improved individual financial literacy cue, and you overlay the digital uh, acceptance and savviness and the democratization of information around finances. Now you get this specific uh, demand for finance that is intelligent, a little bit, way more intelligent in a pure digital way. The third is, we know this, the newer generation, including some of the boomers I know, not to include the other generations that follow, we expect two things, competitive price and speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, smart, I'm smarter as a consumer, about my understanding that I need to manage my matter better, my literacy is better. I'm savvy digitally. Uh, I can access things. I, I don't claim I'm a computer savvy, but I know how to operate the phone and access apps. And then I want speed and competitive price. Now that creates a demand chain that financial institutions have to respond to, which is I got to invest in personalization, personalization, personalization. I got to deliver competitive price products at the right time, right place. I got to offer competitive servicing that is personalized and and for my clients. And how do I do that? I need to connect AI, data, analytics, technology, digital, cloud migration, all and make it simplified and less divergent activity into one integrated activity designed to respond to that growing demand by uh, by 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 the consumer that we just have to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Well, Farouk, look, I'm conscious of, of time. I guess a good place to finish. If you're talking to the clients that you serve, so the B2B component of your relationship, you know, where where do you see the industry you know the fs industry overall going over the next you know three to five years and i guess what are you kind of talking to those types of businesses about in terms of what they should be thinking about to kind of keep up with this this journey i'll say um you know selfishly to push my products to them because i believe in our products i would say to them three things 
Um, and we're seeing it right now. It's just a matter of just how long what we see right now will continue to be a fact. And my prediction is at least for the next two, three years, it's going to be more and more pressure on three things. One, um, uh, a differentiated servicing experience. Uh, people are going to expect a differentiated free commodity servicing experience that is personalized for me. Like, you know, some of the things we talked about earlier, help me manage my money better and protect my money. It should be like table sticks mm -hmm. and I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I do want you to know me enough and consider my 360 financial behavior, not just the traditional attributes, but new attributes about me in a consented uh, private way. Uh, to give me a competitive uh, credit uh, or financial products, investments, or what have you, at the right time, at the right place, at a competitive price that yields return. And uh, I expect that. And then uh, internally, uh, financial institutions have to deliver those two things in a uh, in a in a heavy focus on margin expansion or profitability, and so they need to grow and they need to uh, scale their operation in order to have relatively lower expense, uh, both you know in financial so whether that's interest, um, law, uh, credit, or operating expense in particular. Mm, yeah. Perfect. Well, that's a great place to finish, Farouk. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure having you uh, on the show and um, actually really insightful just to listen to the stuff that's going on out there in the ether, I guess. Um, probably something that a lot of people don't necessarily think about, right? They, they know what they want, but they don't often think about how that is presented to them and how they get that behind the scenes right in terms of the general consumer so it's uh yeah a really insightful conversation so yeah thank you very much for coming on the show and um yeah wish you all the best uh moving forward thank you kyle thanks for the opportunity have a wonderful day that's it for this episode of driven by data the podcast i hope you enjoyed it i'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics until then Please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these too. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.